This is O Ship, the show where experts and leaders look back at their biggest moments of failure just so you can avoid making them. And there is no one better to squeeze the naked truth out of our charismatic guests than your host, Chameleon Collective Founding Partner, Freddie Laker. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another week of O Ship. This week, I've got Nikki Barua joining me. Nikki and I met when we were at Sapient, and she was already a really impressive leader back then. But she's gone on a really great uh, serial entrepreneur journey. Uh, she went on to go found a digital transformation company called Beyond Curious. She wrote a book called Beyond Barriers. Yes, she had, I think she has a thing for Beyond, kind of like I have a thing for chameleons. She went on and joined several boards, including Women 2.0, Women in Innovation, and LPAC. And then in 2020, right at the start of a pandemic, like any sensible entrepreneur, uh, went and founded another company called Beyond Barriers, just like her book. So Beyond Barriers actually helps global organizations accelerate women in leadership by democratizing access to all the high-performance training and executive coaching that they need to be successful. And uh, Nikki and I have been catching up recently, and she has an, a really incredible journey that has really kind of uh, represented itself in the ethos and belief system of her companies. And it's all about turning obstacles into opportunities. And that's going to be this week's theme on OSHIP. We're going to jump into that in a second. You're going to hear all about it from Nikki. And with that, welcome to another week of OSHIP. Nikki, welcome. I'm glad you're here. So great to be here, Freddie. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So again, I gave you a little bit of a, a setup. I didn't want to steal all your thunder in the in the intro. As I always say, I, I know you, but I, our audience doesn't know you like I know you. It'd be great if you could give them um, a little bit of a background uh, and, and insight into why you're here and, and your incredible journey. Thanks. Absolutely. Delighted to do that. I think you already framed the journey for me, which is my journey has been all about turning obstacles into opportunities. I grew up in India and 20 years ago, when I first came to America, all I had were my big dreams and a suitcase full of unfashionable clothes, you know, and when you come here with nothing, you literally have nothing to lose. So with that, I realized that although I was different and I didn't have the resources, I had tremendous opportunity to create the future that I wanted here. And, you know, I felt like an outsider in the corporate world, but built up my career, even though there was a lot of acclimation and learning those skills and the mindset that I had to do. But after a successful corporate journey, I decided to embark on my entrepreneurial venture. And at first I faced 300 rejections, failed 11 times consecutively. But after the 12th try, I built up a global multi-million dollar company, going from a non-native English-speaking country to write a best-selling book, to becoming a professional public speaker, to be featured in Fortune and Forbes. All of those steps along the way taught me one thing over and over again, which is it's all about how you look at obstacles. And when you turn them into a stepping stone for your growth, that's what opens up the next level of success. I love that. That's so inspiring. Uh, for the record, uh, you know, I can barely th string three words together. So I, I would agree. <laughs> uh, the fact that you're, you're a great public speaker and a writer is really incredible. Speaking specifically to, to beyond uh, barriers, I, I mean, how did you how did you get to that point? You know, what inspired you to set that business up specifically? And, and I'd love to I'll follow on with kind of, you know, how did that come to be? Absolutely. So 
one of the things that became very apparent throughout my journey is that as I scaled up the corporate ladder and then eventually even in my entrepreneurial career, I often found that I was the only, you know, there were so few women at the table where I was, whether it was as a C-suite advisor, whether it was serving on boards, that there weren't enough women at the top. And it felt a little bit like winning the Olympics because so few women showed up. And it just really got me obsessed with that, intellectually curious to say, why is that? Why are there so few women at the top? And going beyond just the statistics to really understand the issue. And what I discovered was that it's really the mid-career where the biggest drop-off happens. And if women could have the resources, the right kind of coaching, guidance, and really tools and strategies that would help them advance in their careers at the early to mid-career stages, you would grow the pipeline of leadership to the top. And then as I looked at what's available out there, there really wasn't anything that was available at scale, specifically focused on women in the workplace. And uh, there are certainly lots of uh, phenomenal coaches and trainers and learning and development programs, but there are one-off little places. And uh, what I felt that there was a need for was to truly democratize access so every woman in the workplace could find her voice, her power and her purpose through this. And that's what led to the founding of Beyond Barriers. Why do you think the mid-career drop-off out of interesting? That, that caught my caught my attention. Yeah, there's been a tremendous amount of academic research on the subject. In fact, one of the best-known studies is done by McKinsey. And essentially, the mid-career stage is where uh, women get, you know, first of all, life changes, marriage, motherhood, and so forth. But it's also when you go from individual contributor to a leader. And that's the stage in which you need the most amount of support and guidance. And three things specifically tend to um, hold women back at the stage. First off, not having guidance to know how to navigate those career stages. You know, there's a choice of going down the PNL route, which as you know, you know, if you want to rise up in senior leadership roles, you've got to have PNL experience. So this critical points when you go from a subject matter expert and you have an opportunity to take on a leadership role with PNL responsibilities, but you choose not to do that because you didn't have the right guidance, that then pretty much sets you up in a certain path away from the C-suite. Secondly, you know, access to the right professional uh, networks, the right mentors and sponsors who can help you figure out, you know, open doors for you and knowing how to leverage your relationships. You know, there's this idea that women have a lot of friends and huge social circles, but we don't like to ask for help. We don't like to ask someone for a favor to you know, recommend us for a role or to open doors for us. So having effective professional networks and having the right kind of next level peers and mentors and sponsors is absolutely essential. So that's the second thing that's missing. And the third is visibility. You know, when in order to get those high impact roles that put you on the fast track to the top, you've got to have visibility to be considered. If nobody knows you and you don't know how to articulate your unique value proposition or have a personal brand that sets you apart, then it doesn't matter how much talent and potential you have, you're just not gonna be considered for those roles. So really, if you look at those three things, being able to bring that together by helping women learn the strategies to stand out and differentiate themselves, 
to have the confidence to raise their hands for those opportunities, to get access to peer networks and mentor networks, and to get the coaching and guidance to know how to navigate their career stages. That's really the thesis that has informed the Beyond Barriers model, exactly addressing the very things that uh, are holding women back at that mid-career stage. Of those, is, is any one of them kind of stand out as more challenging than the other, other two out of interest? That's a great question. So what women are often told is, here's what you need to do. What they don't often have access to is how to do it. So the how part of it, you know, it's easy to, you know, listen to inspiring uh, seminars and motivational speakers or read a book and, you know, they tell you get over imposter syndrome or, you know, have uh, a, a powerful brand, but they don't tell you systematically how to develop those. So what we focused a lot of effort on is, turning something that's vague into a very specific, systematic, step-by-step how-to guide for each of these areas. So there's 150 different challenges we get into that have been known to hold women back. So giving them that how has been very powerful. This is like that kind of classic, your strategy is only as good as your execution kind exactly. of thinking. So, uh, you know, you yeah. kind of make sure that counts. That's, uh, that's interesting. And then so you started this business in, I know you told me it was the beginning, yeah. of, beginning of 2020. Had the pandemic already started or, or, or not yet? Well, we officially launched February 2020. Just literally a few weeks later, the world shuts down. So <laughs> not laughing at you, by the way. You have to laugh about this kind of stuff as a fellow entrepreneur at this point. Yeah, 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 oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. It's an entrepreneur's yeah. dream. Uh, but I have to say, you know, I seem to have perfect timing for recessions and setbacks, uh, but I consider it a blessing. There's no better time to start a business than at the worst time. It is absolutely proven to be yeah. just a, a gift. It's a blessing. And and so uh, even my previous business, I did the same thing, was on the heels of a recession. And it makes you really focus because you can't afford to uh, waste your resources. You are lean in every possible way, but it also gives you somewhat of freedom of experimenting and experimenting fast. And so that's what happened. We launched in February 2020. I think four to six weeks later, everything shut down. We had a particular thesis for how we were planning to go to market completely fell apart and we had to pivot very quickly, but it also gave us a different way of making a difference at a time when the world was in shock and women were disproportionately more affected by the pandemic. And here we were, we were in a position to help. So we offered scholarships. We did uh, tons of free pilots. We launched a podcast, which was not a game plan and but we offer that as a way to reach inspire and provide actionable strategies to women worldwide and all of those things have made us incredibly successful today uh you know when when the pandemic hit for Camus collective one of the things we were kind of saying to ourselves is like look uh you know you, you can go into turtle mode or you can prepare to fight and we felt like look there's going to be less opportunity out there just as many you know a grade players fighting for it uh, which I'd like to believe we're one of, and that we need to be we need to be ready to w- win that. And you could argue that what you guys were doing is prepping people to to win those fights and win those battles yeah. at a time where it's ever more important to be ready to win those roles and those promotions yeah. and those opportunities. So yeah, it, it's uh, it makes it, it didn't think about it through that lens until you said it. But you guys may have been very uniquely well positioned for that. 
Well, if you think of the simplest concept of a successful business, it's simply figuring out how to serve your customers, yeah. your market in a truly valuable way that nobody else is able to do. And what challenges offer you, whether it's a recession or a pandemic or other setbacks, is that the pain becomes very, very clear. So it rises the surface. It almost makes it easier for you to align your solutions or your services or products to that. Because now it's become clear what kind of needs are so painful and at such a large scale. And I think that's part of what sort of clarifies your customer focus. And if you can, if any business can do that, you're bound to be successful. Yeah. I also have to ask, I was looking, you know, researching the business more. Uh, it looks like you've got a, a hell of a business partner. Very, very, very <laughs> impressive. Uh, who I also finally worked out was also your wife. Yes. So what's it like uh, to start uh, a business with your significant other? I, I love my wife more than anyone on earth, by the way, but I'm terrified of doing a business with her in the traditional <laughs> sense. So uh, I, I'd be intrigued to hear how that how that is. No pressure. Yeah. Well, I have to say it's been quite a journey, but it also reminds us of in some ways feeling like we were put together for a bigger reason. Yeah. Interestingly, the the original vision of Beyond Bears came about on our honeymoon. <laughs> it's a crazy story. We were in Fiji on an island and we, you know, we were talking about our future and our dreams and all of that. So we did an exercise where we both wrote down our dreams separately on two different sheets of paper. And then we decided to read them out or swap them and read it. And it was identical. We had a very similar vision of wanting to create global impact and really empower marginalized communities because we were examples of exactly who we wanted to live. You know, much like me, Monica had come from an immigrant Mexican-American family that had overcome a lot of challenges and had made it on Wall Street and Silicon Valley with some of the best companies and had a very successful career. But there were so few like her. And just similar to my story, we felt like there was a shared sense of purpose, a shared mission. And that became the vision of what led to Beyond Barriers of saying, how can we do this at scale? The idea wasn't about how can we help one or two people? How can we do this at scale? And that idea that, you know what, Beyond Barriers needs to be like the peloton of professional development. It needs to be something that brings together communities of women around the world, but provide a digital-based scalable access that makes it possible for anyone with a dream to achieve what they want. When you think about the, you know, the the kind of, this is, you know, coaching at scale, again, mm-hmm. built on a digital platform, perfect, perfect for the, the digital world. Can you give an example of, you know, one or two things that you guys are doing specifically? And it sounds like, you know, to your point, yeah, you're telling them the direction to run in, but you're really making sure that there's the how how is there as well. Right. So one of the things that coaching at scale requires is a framework-based approach. Because if you think about a large company that might have 20,000 or 30,000 women that could benefit from this kind of service, well, if you had to go uh, get coaches individually, they're going to have their own process, their own methodology, their own techniques. And so the results may be inconsistent and often not measurable in the same framework. So what we really focused on was how do you come up with a very well-defined framework that addresses the most common pain points and challenges that women face, but also the skills and the mindset that they need to develop in order to accelerate to the top. And based on that framework, we identified 
25 essential elements that either become barriers or become accelerators. So those 25 elements then led to the content development and the strategy development around that. And so our coaches are actually trained and certified in that methodology. Um, so when they are uh, leading and facilitating, they're leveraging that framework so there's a consistency in the outcome. The other thing we also recognize was that social learning is extremely powerful when it comes to the transformation for women in the workplace. So organizing them in cohorts that are led by these coaches, guided by this framework methodology, has the deepest impact and the fastest transformation. And as a result, not only do they have a deep sense of belonging and the safe space where they can share and be vulnerable, but they also have the guidance of a coach. They have a peer network that can be lasting forever. And they learn the strategies and the how-tos throughout that process. Let's shift gears for a second, because I think when, when you hear about the way you're approaching things, I think understanding your journey as a leader mm-hmm. could be really useful to understanding how, the, how this kind of plays out. So I have a couple questions in mind, but I want to, let's go back to the beginning a little <laughs> bit. What was your first leadership role? The first one that comes to mind was um, actually in high school where um, I became a student body leader and got elected to that role. And what it taught me was the power of helping people believe in something bigger than themselves. So this was a group that had competitive bodies. And so uh, it was really you know, bringing my uh, group of students together and giving them a vision of something about the future that was so compelling and a sense of purpose that was bigger than themselves. And that belief and that sense of connection to me became so powerful. It also taught me early on that most people are looking for certainty. And the person who is most honest in the room and has the greatest degree of certainty automatically becomes the one that people choose to follow. It really sort of drove home that importance of where do you derive your own sense of certainty and conviction from? Because the greater your own beliefs are, that's what inspires and ignites other people. I love that. There's something innately powerful about, frankly, confidence, right? This this projection of confidence that you can put out there, whether that is making other people believe that you have the capability to complete a task or a Mm -hmm. job as you kind of move up through the corporate world, or whether that's as a leader and convincing a bunch of other people um, to follow you. I don't know if you can convince people as much. I think it's, I feel like true confidence uh, really emanates from your own beliefs. Um, And the deeper your own beliefs are, people are attracted to it. Oh, they totally agree with that, yeah. Yeah, no, good good correction. I want to be clear. So yeah, I don't think, I don't think you can't sell someone (laughs) into being a leader uh, if you do, it's a, a very limited, uh, limited journey. Uh, at the end of the day, it, you know, it has to, it has to be uh, true, true yeah. confidence, as you said. So you've had some great uh, successes in your career. You've also navigated some mm-hmm. challenges, which again, I think is important to being a great leader. Uh, can you tell me about in our audience about any kind of maybe a, a great moment of triumph that you've had in your career and maybe how that changed you or what you learned from it? Absolutely. Uh, Well, I've had several challenges and setbacks throughout, um, whether it was coming here as an immigrant and learning how to survive through very limited resources. But I feel like my life has unfolded in almost 10-year chapters, you know, from the time I came to back in 2008, I lost everything during uh, the market crash, but also lost my partner to suicide at that time. And during that time, you know, it was a very personally traumatic 
traumatic time for me. And it was not only isolating, but it stripped me of all the things that I had maybe uh, relied on or, you know, uh, felt like were the foundation of my life. What it took to rebuild from there was tremendously important in how it shaped me for the future. Because at that time, when you have absolutely nothing left, especially after you've achieved a lot, on one hand, it was the height of my career, I was doing very well, and then everything is gone overnight you learn to realize certain things that shape you as a person. First off, hope is so important to want to strive for something. And hope comes from believing in something bigger than yourself and believing that there's something worth striving for. And when you have that, that's what creates that true sense of happiness. But happiness is also a choice that you have to make every day. It can be dependent on external circumstances. So for me, that period was so powerful in shaping the next 10 year span and what happened after that and making changes in my career that every stepping stone really reminded me that it's life becomes like a video game almost you know you start off in level one you have a certain set of skills and strategies and a certain level of confidence and then you stumble and fall and you face those obstacles and you can only get past that to level two when you overcome them and the only way to overcome them is to become yep. bigger than your problems. And then you get to level two and your problems just get even bigger. And so you have to have even better strategies. So what I've learned throughout this, whether it was a triumph or a failure, and I've learned more from my failures in that, is that it's how you look at the obstacle and how you set your intention of becoming bigger than it. And all it takes is becoming bigger than it because that's what gets you to the next level. As a lifelong uh, gamer, I can't help but uh, you know appreciate the gamer reference, and I think there's this concept of leveling makes uh, makes a lot of sense. And and also, frankly, uh, I've, at least in my personal case, um, I think when work is fun, like a game, I think you also tend to be more successful Absolutely. at it. Worth noting. So you talked about this kind of building up to the kind of challenge at the next level, and then. Mm -hmm overcoming it and i would argue that you know being successful in the corporate world is, is pretty damn challenging mm -hmm. in the business world in, in any environment i think when you start adding in being a woman an immigrant a woman of color or gay statistically makes it yeah. even more challenging whether it's for you or, or any or anyone else out there but i also feel like in you know in your i'd like to understand in your in your role as a coach that there are these uh, systemic kind of challenges that face people, but there are also probably a lot of barriers that people self-impose on themselves, the mental, emotional, whatever you call it, kind of blocks. I'd be interested to hear, obviously you can't give me specific uh, people examples, but you know, if you see any kind of trends there with the types of with people you're coaching, the kind of blocks that they might run into and how you kind of help them overcome those kind of challenges. Yeah, that's a great question and very relevant question, uh, especially given the cultural context that we're in. Look, there are institutionalized and systemic bias that exists that will take time to overcome, right? Because it's an educational and awareness process of recognizing things that are built in. So a simple example might be promotion processes. If there's a certain way of evaluating talent that fundamentally, you know, someone who's a, a first-generation immigrant it's just not gonna meet up because that's not how, what they've been exposed to or they recognize or even aware of, they're gonna be held back, right? So there's things like that that will take time to overcome. But what I've repeatedly found is that the biggest barrier is internal. It's, it's the things that we put on ourselves that hold us back. And 
it really begins, all success in my mind begins with taking 100% accountability for your outcomes. When you shift from being a victim or feeling entitled to taking absolute ownership of anything, good or bad, in your life is the first step towards that transformation, the first step towards achieving your goals. Because that allows you to focus on what are the skills that I need to get to the next level? What is the confidence and mindset do I need? Who are the peers I need to learn from? Uh, what sorts of things are actually blind spots for me that I'm not aware of? So all of those things, when you start to take 100% accountability, it completely shifts the results you're able to achieve and frankly helps you navigate through those systemic bias as well because you don't make it a reason why you're being held back. You look at it as, well, there may be an obstacle, but I'm going to go around it, over it, under it, but I'm going to find a way. And personally for me, yes, I'm, you know, sort of the poster child of diversity checking a lot of boxes, but I, I didn't look at that identity as a reason to hold me back. I actually saw it as an advantage that sets me apart and gives me even more impetus to overcome the barriers and also the privilege and responsibility of being a role model for so many others that it's important to break through and you can't let any barriers hold you back. So that's why, I mean, just like the company name, it's going beyond barriers begins with yourself. I love that you applied that to your own, uh, kind of your own journey. Cause I, I was going to have to ask if that, if the, you know, the kind of the ways that you coached other people, if, if that also you know applies to how you think about your own life, because you've clearly knocked through kind of a lot of big challenges out there. So since you brought up uh, Beyond Barriers uh, as, a, as a company, again, I, ha I have to ask, I mentioned this in the opening statement, you've got multiple <laughs> things now with Beyond. I can't poke fun at you as the guy who sticks chameleon in anything I can possibly try and stick chameleon into. So what is it about Beyond that just kind of kind of does it for you? <laughs> um, yeah, you and I sort of have our brands uh, well in place, don't we? Well, to me, Beyond represents uh, the idea of limitlessness. There's a fundamental belief that uh, has guided me throughout my life is the idea that we all have limitless potential, that there are limitless opportunities, that there are limitless uh, resources and things that could be available to us, but you have to be able to see that. You have to be curious and humble and hungry to go after it. So that idea of believing in that kind of limitlessness, those big dreams and, and the willingness to go after it, that's just something um, that I live by. And uh, so no surprise, every company, everything I do is uh, labeled beyond, uh, with something beyond. So beyond capital coming next. <laughs> yeah. I, so I, you know, I'm, I don't think uh, you're going to go for like you know Richard Branson <laughs> like uh, Beyond Cola or anything anytime soon. But but uh, if you uh, if you had a uh, you know yeah. a Beyond career that was beyond you know next from what you're doing now, uh, is there any uh, you know any other industries that really excite you or play or jobs you would have loved to have done? You know, I defined that very early in my life in terms of the areas where I was most fascinated by. I'm not even sure how it was so clear to me that early on, but I'll share a little story about something that my dad did when I was very young is he was this, you know, intellectual that didn't really talk as much. <laughs> he communicated through pictures and stories. And uh, so he created this uh, collage on the inside of my closet door where he put up pictures of all these incredible women leaders. And in the center of that, he drew a picture of me 
and wrote my name and he never said a word about it. He didn't say that's who I want you to be or I want you to aspire to uh, be a top leader. But he kept adding pictures to this collage. And I became fascinated by these incredible women from around the world. Like an early vision board. It, it really was. It was an early vision board that my dad created. But I started to read about them, learn about them, become curious about them. But the most fascinating part was I felt like I belonged amongst them because my picture was in the center surrounded by them. So I felt like there's nothing that is not achievable because they've done it, but it's also life of service and impact. And so early on, I knew that I wanted to do something in business. Uh, I wanted to do something with education because education changes lives. And I wanted to do something in public policy and public service. And two of those I've been active in. Uh, the third is public policy, which uh, you know I'm uh, grateful to serve on the board of LPAC. And uh, it's building from there to a career in public service because policy changes lives for generations. And that's really important in terms of scalable impact. You know, it's funny, if you think about that approach, you, you've got one part of you that is kind of changing society from the top down, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And now you've got this other side where you're kind of changing society uh, by a bottom-up approach. Yeah. And uh, and you know, you're going to meet you're going to get me in the middle, and if I'm I'm confident if anyone's going to make a big difference out there, it's it's going to be you. I've got one final question for you today, and uh, not to put you on the spot, but. Let's say you've got uh, a leader like me. I run you know, a couple couple businesses out there. I work with, and, and, and with a lot of other leaders leading businesses. You know, I think it's one thing to go out there and, and coach mm -hmm. uh, women coming up through the workforce. But is there any advice or guidance you could give me that would help me to be a better leader and um, you know continue to encourage diversity and growth within the organizations that I operate? That's a phenomenal question. I really appreciate you asking that because a world that is inclusive and innovative begins with building bridges and understanding different perspectives. So this is the same advice I give to you know powerful global leaders all the time, which is ask questions, get curious about someone else's experience, seek to understand. And through that understanding from all sides is where we can find common ground because as human beings, we tend to innately fear anything that is different from us or someone who thinks differently, prays differently, looks differently, right? But yet at the same time, humanity has so much in common that if we simply learn to find that common ground, the world will automatically become more inclusive and therefore more diverse. So for every leader out there, you know, get curious. Don't be afraid to ask the questions and uh, you know, the more closeness we develop, the better we are able to embrace each other. I love that. That is, uh, I always love to end a ship on a bright uh, and aspirational, certainly not a, a thought-provoking ending, and I don't think I could get a better one than that. So that that's wonderful. Nikki, it was so good to see you. Uh, looking forward to seeing you again, hopefully in person sometime yes. soon. Uh, this world's getting a little uh, more normal. I'm very excited to see uh, how Beyond Barriers continues to evolve. So any uh, sites, podcasts, anything like that you think our audience should uh, know about to help uh, make sure they can stay engaged with you? 
Absolutely. Check out I'mBeyondBearers.com. Um, our podcast has been doing extremely well. Uh, so it's called the Beyond Bearers podcast available on all players. Uh, but I welcome everyone to even take our quiz. If you go to our site and take the quiz, that'll give you your momentum metric because we're looking at figuring out how we can inspire change through data and insights. So I'd love to have more people engage and uh, continue to contribute to this global effort. And for those of you watching, thank you again for uh, tuning in every week. Uh, whether you're watching us live or you're following up on us on YouTube, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, uh, Facebook, I think we're now going on Instagram, so any of the platforms, best thing you can do to support us is subscribe, give us a like, uh, share it with your feed, spread the good word, and we really appreciate it. Um, Nikki, thank you again for joining us on our ship, and thank you again, everyone, uh, for watching. The O Ship Show is brought to you by Chameleon Collective, where we lead, scale, and adapt to build and grow great companies. You can learn more at chameleoncollective.com. Freddie will see you next time when we will once again be raising the sails for the O Ship Show.